Hello there, and welcome to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. My name is Richard Frankowitz, and I'm the Youth Director here at Sardis Fellowship Baptist Church. This week, Pastor Rod Heppel continues our Family Matters Sermon Series for Father's Day, focusing on the heart of a dad. Thanks for listening, and enjoy! We're in our sermon series called Family Matters, bringing my best, and we're looking at each of these different kind of situations, asking ourselves, how am I doing? Am I bringing my best, right? But today is Father's Day, and I stand here as also one who is a father. At 27 years old, our first son was born. And you know, I remember when he was born, I thought to myself, I'm going to be the greatest dad ever. You know, I had all these ideals of what that might look like, but about a year into us having a child, I thought to myself, I have no clue what I'm doing raising kids. And, you know, I I thought it would be one way, but the reality of it was actually different. And even though people had warned me what it would be like, you know, a crying baby who never sleeps and all that kind of stuff, you don't know what it feels like until you can't sleep because they're not sleeping. They won't stop crying and all that kind of good stuff. And I I remember the first time I was uh, uh, bathing Ryan and and I I went to hold him and and he almost slipped out of my hands. And it was freaky. It was like trying to grab a hold of a salmon. It just like, you know, And it's just like complete inability to know what I'm doing. I was a disaster. Anne and I had always talked about having four kids. And once we had three kids, we looked at each other because we were outnumbered at that point. We thought, what were we thinking? Why did we think we were going to be such good parents that we could handle a large family, right? And, um, And then we kind of thought, well, maybe we'll just stop at three kids. But as you know, we had four kids. So obviously you're wondering what happened. But once the dust settled after three, and we kind of got our feet back on the ground again, you know, we kind of started to think about having a fourth child as if it was planned. Nothing was planned. Life happens. You know, there was a fear that when you have three, you could have the Dave and M. Lee factor. You know the Dave and M. Lee factor. Dave's back there. M's back there. They have three kids, right? Sure, let's have four. And number four ends up being number four and five because they're twins. Now you're in for it. I think they had four kids in like five years or something. like. You can talk to Dave and M. later. But that'll scare you, right? But there we were, four kids in six years, and we were trying to do our best to pretend to the world that we knew what we were doing, and I didn't. Anne had read a lot of articles and books, and fortunately, she just passed her knowledge on to me, and together, we had a bit of a plan. We were working the plan. The plan was this, God's amazing grace. I preached on that last week, right? God's amazing grace. All of this simply to say, today is Father's Day, and I would like to talk to us dads about being dads. And the first thing that I want to say is, Dad, you are needed. You are needed. You play a vital role in the life of your kids. And I know we know this, but sometimes ah, we kind of wonder if it's true. There's this organization um, called the National Fatherhood Initiative out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And they highlight a few of these things where it's kind of on the negative side when dad isn't present, present what happens. And on the positive side, the uh, positive influences that come out of a dad being present. They titled their article, The Statistics Don't Lie, Fathers Matter. Um, and, and this is fathers who are biological fathers, who are stepfathers, fathers who are adoptive fathers, and fathers who are just kind of like substitute. They're there in someone's life, Right. So the research shows these kinds of conclusions that when a dad is present, um, infant mortality rate goes down, if you can believe that. So they have a stat that shows that when a dad is not present, the child is two times more likely uh, when it dies because of the fact that the dad wasn't present. Emotional and behavioral problems, neglect and abuse. These are the positive things that a dad kind of if he's present, these things don't happen as much in their life, okay? So there's not injury or obesity or 
poor school performance. So all of these things are influenced by a dad's presence, uh, less teenage pregnancies, less incarceration, uh, incarceration of juveniles, uh, less alcohol and substance abuse, criminal activity, suicide. Now we look at that list and we go, wow, that's kind of, that's like extreme. But at the same time, I think we look at the list and go, I don't need a study to tell me that I know that a dad matters. I know that the influence of a father is there to help guide kids all the way through life. And when that influence isn't there, then these things are more likely to happen. One mom poured out her heart to me. It was shortly after her divorce. And she said, why doesn't he call anymore? Why doesn't he come and pick up the kids? I know it's over between the two of us, but the kids still need their dad. That was very powerful for me to hear that firsthand after a divorce had taken place. Kids need their dad. Now, I know that there are situations probably in this room here today. could be a single mom where the dad isn't in the picture. could be a dad who doesn't have the access to his kids that he would like to have. And so I want to be sensitive to that. But my point in bringing out this focus here today is this. That dads, you're needed. You are important. You need to be there. 90% of parenting is showing up. There's this great object lesson that took place at a Promise Keepers event once, and you might not be familiar with Promise Keepers, but a number of years ago, back in the 90s, they would bring all these dads together and try to encourage them to be better dads. And this one, they brought their sons out, and they wanted to do a little object lesson to help both dads understand their important role and kids understand the importance of their dad in their life, especially as you go through those teenage years. And so they'd taken the big stage up front, and they set up this obstacle course, and then they blindfolded about a 13, 14-year-old kid, and the dad was going to instruct his son and give him guidance as he navigated through the obstacle course. The obstacles were to represent kind of the pitfalls of life and the things that you can kind of step into as you go through life and they're harmful, they're damaging. You don't want those pitfalls in your life. You want to avoid them. And so the voice of the father was to steer him around all of these obstacles. But there was another layer to the challenge, and that was that the crowd was to get into it. There are going to be those that are cheering them on. There are going to be those that are creating confusion. But overall, it was just this general sense of noise as the dad was trying to get his son to hear his voice. And it became an analogy for the fact that as teenagers in particular, going through those, through those teenage years, there are a lot of voices. A lot of voices that are speaking, and it's hard to hear the voice of God or the voice of wisdom or the voice of a parent. And so after they had done this illustration and the boy was going through, it got really charged and it was quite intense. And when he got through the obstacle course, the dad was yelling, you did it, you made it. And the kid throws off his blindfold and he just wraps his arm around his dad, gives him a big hug. It was so intense. And it was such a vivid illustration of what life is actually like. There are so many things out there that can be damaging to our kids and we want them to make it. And when they make it, we celebrate. The question I'm wanting to ask you today is, are you willing to fight for your family, and what are you willing to do for your family? As men, we often have a lot of energy and excitement for things that are in our life but not in our home. I don't want to stereotype here because everyone's wired differently and God makes us all differently, but generally speaking, as men, we get pretty excited about things that we're interested in, hobbies and all those kinds of things, and we don't necessarily take that same energy and bring it into our home. So we might get excited about fishing, or we might get excited about you know, off-road activities, or our best hobby, collecting cards, or something like that. Uh, pour time into it and energy into it. But then when it comes to like our families, even though we prioritize them and we say they're important in our lives, it's hard to know how do I bring that version of me that seems so skilled at that thing, so on target out there, how do I bring that in and make it land well in my home? 
Because sometimes I think what the challenge is for us as dads is we come into our home with all this kind of energy and whatnot, and it doesn't actually land right. It isn't taken in the same way in which I thought it was going to be. I, I try to tackle the problems in my home the same way I've tackled it out there in the world, and it doesn't land right. And I think sometimes, if I could just be honest with us, I think sometimes as men, we can get a bit macho. We can get a bit too manly. And we bring that into our homes, and we kind of create this kind of like, yeah, this is how it's going to be type thing. And pretty soon our kids are looking at us, and they're wondering, is this really true, Dad? Because you're not consistently that way. And I think what I'm trying to say through this illustration is if we're going to talk about fighting for our families, it's not going to look just one way. And it's not going to be just this saying the right things or pretending we know what's going on. It's going to be modeling and demonstrating for our kids a good dose of humility of what it means to lead well in our homes. To fight for your family means that you're going to walk the talk consistently over many years. It's not something that you're going to do in short little spurts. This is the long haul. This is the long game. You're going to walk the talk of following Christ for many years. And the desire for that is that you will model for your kids what they want to see about Jesus. That you're going to be modeling that for them. Not perfectly, of course. But, you know, the humility piece is just admitting when we fail. Yes, teach. Yes, guide. Yes, instruct. But you want your kids to be able to look back on you and say, ah, I knew what my dad was aiming at. I had one of those moments a year ago. Our son Jonathan and his wife Larissa had a baby. And about a month or a little more after having their first child, um, my son John wrote me a letter. I actually brought it here. I'm not going to read it. It's for me. But he gave me that letter. And I was like, wow, this is like the moment 23 years in when there's a bit of a payoff. It's a letter that just simply said, hey, Dad, I'm now a dad. Dad, I'm in on the secret. Dad, I know what it's like. I know what you were trying to do. I have better understanding. I have a better sense. And now as I reflect on everything that you were doing as my dad, not perfectly, but what you were aiming for, dad, I get it. Thank you, right? And so that's what I'm trying to say is this isn't like your seven-year-old kid who's probably going to write you this letter. But sometimes when our kids get older, they put those pieces together. You're in it for the long haul. Maybe it is a good practice, by the way, as my wife said earlier, too, that um, we should let our dads know when they got it right. They're not perfect. But you know what? We're pretty good at picking out and complaining about the things that our dads get wrong. Maybe it's time to just pick out a couple things that they get right and let them know. Fighting for your family is about having priorities. Don't go to sleep on me. I know we talk about priorities all the time. Here's what I want you to see priorities. You are battling for something that God wants you to keep right in your life. And priorities has to do with understanding who God is in your life first and foremost. He wants to be first in our life. And so that's our starting point as we look at everything we're going to talk about today. It's all about understanding that God intends me to be a certain kind of person. He wants me to be a person that understands his heart and reflects that to my family. The only way that can happen is if I am keeping God first in my life. The first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. So that's what we're aiming at. Fighting for your family is about having priorities. Now, Paul uses battle language, and I want to go to Ephesians 6. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Because in Ephesians 6, Paul starts to use this language about being in a battle. And I think it's good language for us as dads, because some, sometimes we just feel like, I don't know what to do. And it's like, yeah, but we've got a lot of fight in us. So how do we battle right? How do we fight right for our families? That's what I want to talk about. 
Now, Paul's instructing all believers. He's making it very clear that you don't wrestle against people, flesh and blood, but you wrestle against a spiritual enemy. There, there is an enemy that we have, and uh, it's a spiritual battle that we fight. We can't see this enemy, but we sure see the evidence of this enemy in our world and in our lives. We see this around us. We know he's there. So Ephesians 6, and the first thing I want to do is start with a verse before we get into our key text, because it gives such a clear command and direction for what we as parents, and in particular fathers, should be aiming at. What's our goal? Why am I a father? So Paul says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, okay, here's the goal. Bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. So it's like he gives us the goal. The reason why you're a father is I want you to do this well. And of course, training and instruction covers everything, right? It's not just like ideas and content. It's about what that would look like and how you live that out. And, and there's a contrast. He has the word instead. You see that, right? Instead of exasperating your children, which I think is something we can do, if we come in with this strong, overbearing, overpowering, lording it over kind of approach to our child rearing, I'm the boss, just fall in line kind of an attitude, and we don't actually help our kids connect the dots, we can exasperate them. And what Paul is contrasting here is the exasperating approach with what the goal is, which is to train them and teach them the instruction of the Lord. And if we want to know how we approach that, look at how Jesus did. He was a servant to all. He washed the disciples' feet. That's the heart that Jesus wants us as fathers to have. So now that we know what the goal is, I want us to take a look at the battle that we're called into, which we find here, verses 10 to 18. Uh, by the way, if you want a really good teaching time on uh, the kind of heart of a father who raises his children, Tim, Pastor Tim, preached that on May 28th. And so you can go back and listen to that. It's on a podcast, too, if you want to hear it. But it was a really excellent message um, on how to raise your kids that way. So we have our goal, but we're in a battle. And uh, Paul says it like this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. That's our, our invisible enemy. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, carries on, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers or requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Okay, so here we are in this passage. Paul has some things he wants us to focus on. So the first thing, dads, I want to address to you is if you're going to be a dad who fights for your family, you need to know that you're to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Take a deep breath and just sigh. Because if it said that you need to be strong, your strength, your mighty power, you might feel overwhelmed. But we do that, don't we? And this key here is I need to be strong in the Lord's strength. I need to be strong in what God can do in the lives of my, my kids and in my family. So understand that point really clearly is that our strength is in the Lord. Paul said to young Timothy, watch your life and doctrine closely. So what we're talking about here, if this is going to be true in our lives, that we're going to be strong in the Lord, it means that we're going to walk with the Lord. 
walk with the Lord in all consistency and truth of what we know. So point number one, dads, you fight for your family by keeping your walk close with God. The second one that I want to highlight comes out in verse 12, 11, verse 11. Take your stand by putting on the full armor of God. We have a real enemy. He's a spiritual enemy, and he's known as the devil. Jesus called him the father of lies. Maybe you remember that out of our Gospel of John series. And Jesus said, he is the father of lies because he speaks his native language. He's a deceiver. So the battle that we often have is one around truth. This is what we're talking about here. It's a battle for truth because we have a deceiver who is our enemy. And so we need to know God's truth. But once we know God's truth, we're not fighting the enemy directly. We are standing on God's truth. We stand on this truth. We don't give room for the lies of the enemy. We don't have to be brilliant scholars to know this. Yes, you need to read your Bibles. Yes, you need to know God's word. But then you just stand on God's word. Dads, you fight for your family by reading God's word. Our struggle is not against a physical enemy, but, about, but against a spiritual one. And so it plays out in the physical realm, but we battle in the spiritual realm. Okay, so it plays out here in what we see every day, but we battle there. Paul says in verse 12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's in this heavenly realm. And so we kind of looked at that and go, well, how do I battle there? I mean, I, I know what I do here in the physical. How do I do that there? And I think we're given a key in this passage when he says in verse 18, pray in the spirit on all occasions. I think prayer is our key to this battle. If we're not praying, we're not entering into that spiritual realm. God fights in that spiritual realm on our behalf, and we need to be there before his throne praying for our families. There's these verses in 2 Corinthians 10 that put it like this, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, the weapons we fight with have divine power to demolish strongholds, which are false arguments. So it's a truth battle again. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So anything that comes at us that is not true because it's contrary to God, we go, no, no, that's not true. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. I'm standing on truth. Um, so, you know, standing on truth, prayer, these are the tools, the weapons that we're given to demolish these strongholds, these arguments, these things that are false. Can I tell you something? We went through um, John's gospel. We were talking about Peter, and Peter has such a bad rap, but there's an illustration of Peter where he used the wrong weapon, right? Do you remember this? It's in the garden just before Jesus was crucified. And they're in the garden, and Jesus asks them to pray, and what happens? He sleeps, right? And then just a short while later in the garden, all come the soldiers and they take Jesus. And Peter then draws a sword and he strikes a guy, right? And it's like Peter's not understanding. You're using the wrong weapon to fight the wrong battle. You can't use a sword to fight a spiritual battle. He wants to defend Jesus, but he's using the wrong sword. And I think that's an illustration for us as dads. Let's use the right sword. Standing on truth, being in prayer. Those are the right swords for, for fighting our enemy. It is a spiritual battle. So the third point, dads, you fight for your family by praying for them. Praying for them. Verse 13, Paul comes back to what he started to say in verse 10, where he says, put on the armor. 
And then he goes and he lists what that armor is. And so he started in and then he took a sideways turn and then he comes back here and he lists the armor from verse 14 onward. We have the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. We have the feet fitted for the readiness to share the gospel, which is kind of a harder one uh, to fit all together. Shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, what you need to picture is Paul in prison, chained to a soldier, a Roman soldier, and he's probably just looking at the gear that this Roman soldier is wearing, right? He's got his armor on, and so he sees the helmet, and he sees the breastplate, and he sees the belt, and he sees the feet that have some kind of a protection unit there, and he sees all these different pieces, and then he puts a, a spiritual correlation to the, the physical armor. So this is an analogy, and I think it's a really helpful one because we can begin to think of the analogy part. What is it that Paul is trying to get us to think about? Uh, if we can understand these terms, then we can understand what he's trying to get at. And so let's just look at what are the spiritual pieces that correspond to the physical element. Truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, faith, salvation, word of God, pray. These are the things that Paul wants every believer to be equipped with because that's how we fight. I look over that list and I ask myself the question, which one up there do I really need to focus on? I know they're all important. I know they're all good. And as a dad, I'm trying to live it and incorporate it into my life, into my family, into my home. One jumps off the page at me and it's righteousness. It's righteousness because of the times in which we live, especially as it relates to sexual intimacy. We live in a culture that does not uphold the biblical values that reflect the character of God. And so I'm thinking of us as dads, and I'm thinking of us as dads who are trying to raise boys in a world where you know how accessible it is for pornography. We know how damaging that is, how it takes away and distorts from God's good gift of sexual intimacy. And dads, what I want to say is that if we're not fighting that battle in our lives and winning it, how are our kids going to? They need us as dads to help them navigate one of the hardest things that any teenager, boy in particular, but girls as well, have to navigate. So dads, I want to tell you, your kids need you. And they need you to model what this looks like. They need you to know what's going on in their world so that you can speak to them in such a way that it's real. Just be honest. Help your kids find their way. And if you need help yourself, then please reach out for help. Dads, you fight for your family by modeling righteousness. The last thing that I want to say from this passage and draw out from the Apostle Paul is that in verse 13 he says, when the day of evil comes, that you can stand your ground. When. You see that? When. He didn't say if. He knows it's coming. And I guess I want to say to us, that day comes. Every day is a battle, yes, but there are certain times where it's a very acutely aware of what's going on by way of the enemy in, in your family's life. When that day comes, and the enemy is trying to derail your kids from walking with him, you dads, you need to be ready. The cab of my truck has, in, has been on more than one occasion a sanctuary. Many times I have prayed and called out to God. I kind of find when I drive through the country roads, there's not too many other people watching me. And I can cry out to God. There are times when life is heavy and God wants us to come before his throne of grace. But on this one particular day, 
we were going through a hard time in our family. The enemy had really reared his ugly head. I felt this heavy oppression that was so real, I knew the kind of spiritual battle I was in. And I prayed the blood of Jesus Christ over my family as I'm driving my truck. I declared that we were children of God, that through faith in Jesus Christ we were placed into his kingdom, that our allegiance was to the true and living God, and that the enemy had no authority in my home. Because we are children of the living God. In that moment, I think I felt my failures and my vulnerability more than anything. But I remember thinking, God doesn't want me to focus on my failures. God wants me to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Which means this. You turn to him. You lean into him. You go to his throne. You know you're in a battle. And you pray. And you take it to God. And you lay it out before him. And you allow God to begin to do his work. And you pray that sincere prayer of your heart where you don't want God to lose his grip on you, on your spouse, on your kids, on your grandkids. And you pray, God, help me be the kind of person that models Jesus to them. And as parents, we stand in the gap and we pray for them. God wants you as a parent, as a dad, to model his heart of love for his kids, to model what he would do for us because he did it for us. He is the one who went out seeking the 99 and the one that was lost he was the one who, when the prodigal son was coming home, he was already looking for that child to wrap his arms around him. When the day of evil comes, be ready. And that's the last one. You fight for your family by being ready when the day of evil comes. And I think as dads, we go, yeah, Rod, for sure. I'm, I, I'm in on that. That's what I want. But it's hard because our priorities get out of alignment because life is full and there's more values that are competing for my time than what I know how to do this all. And so maybe I start off well and I wanted to follow through, but I didn't follow through. I had good intentions. I didn't make it happen, all that kind of thing. And what I want to say is, yeah, we all need motivation. We all need to be encouraged along in this. And I want to say that uh, I want to share with you a story that I think is motivational. And when you see or hear uh, this video that we're going to watch about a father who really gave his all for his son, I hope it motivates you to say, yeah, I can do more for my family. So I'll just set up the story a little bit by saying that this is a, a unique story. Um, it's called Team Hoyt. Maybe you've heard of it because it's been around for years. It's a father-son duo team where they ran, and they ran a lot. Um, from 1980 to 2014, they ran every single year in the Boston Marathon. They ran for over a 1,000 races together as a father-son team. And the reason that this is so unique is because the son, Rick, in the wheelchair, was born with cerebral palsy. He couldn't speak. He couldn't move his limbs. His dad, at age 41, his son comes home from school, 15 years old, and says, Dad, I want to run in a race. There's been a terrible accident. Another student's raising funds for the family who has this accident, and it's a benefit race and money's being raised, I want to run in the race. So his dad ran in the race, pushed him in a wheelchair. It was a five-mile run pushing his son in the wheelchair. He said afterwards, I couldn't walk for two days. He was just an average 41-year-old dad. I mean, he wasn't in shape. And his son said this to him. He said, Dad, when we ran, it felt like my disability disappeared. And the dad knew from that moment on they were going to run. And so he trained and he got a specialized cart so he could push his son but now you're going to watch a video of what that looks like of a dad who fought for his son. So let's watch this together. 
Yeah, that's amazing. I guess I look at a story like that and I go, man, that's a dad. He said, yes, you can to his son when he said, dad, can I run in that race? And he said, yes, you can. And it just makes me say, could I take that kind of spirit and that kind of determination and loyalty and commitment and bring it to my relationships? Can I take that example and bring it into my home? Can I be there for my kids and fight for my family? That's what I want us to be challenged with this morning. I know that we're not going to be called to do what Dick Hoyt was called to do in his son's life. And I know that we're not superheroes either. But I hope that we would have the desire to reflect the heart of our father to our children. And he gave his life for us. Let's do the same. I invite the worship team to come at this time. Um, I wanted us to sing a closing song of response because I always find that after a message, it's nice to sing a song and be able to let the song be your heart cry to the Lord or an opportunity to respond to God or hear from God. And so I invite you to stand with us as we sing this closing song together and really let it be um, your prayer to God or the receiving of his love to you. Thanks for listening to our Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please check out sardisfellowship.com. Have a great day and God bless.